sir. Uh, hi. Uh, Hello. Greetings. What are we doing right now? We're recording a podcast, I believe. Uh, since I am such a smart and crafty person, I've decided to preemptively name this Golden Opportunities. Ooh, that is good. Um, that's good. My name is Mason. My um, name is Trevor. We yes. are the scatterbrained and digressing hosts of the Bards and Bees podcast. Well, two of four hosts. We're yes. kind of taking it in shifts right now. Everybody's schedule is a little wonky. Uh, Danny right now is ill, and Dave is missing in action, presumed father. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming there are some uh, parental needs that came up. Not from his parents, but him being a father now. I'm I'm gonna be really curious if like we're in the middle of the episode and he just like pops in on the Skype call <laughs> and can't hear us at all because we're both muted. Yeah, there. So if there's an awkward derail in the middle of this episode, that's what happens. <laughs> just a random third voice shows up. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> so golden opportunities. What kind of opportunities are we talking about here, Trevor? Well, we were riffing about ideas before we started recording. Um just about different like problems that we've had and that we've noticed. Um, we, we, uh, in our group chat, we sent a message or, uh, David rather sent a video that was a guy just talking about how like armor and weapons in the core rules of like D and D like don't feel very differentiated from each other. Like the fact that you can spend a bunch of money on plate mail and like that feels epic, but then literally, if the GM rolls on a random table and the rogue gets a plus two leather armor, he has just as much armor as you. Yeah. Uh, and that like can feel weird. Uh, but ultimately, what we started talking about is like the real problem there is like resource management and like how do you keep a sense of progression going while still rewarding your players do you give them gold do you just give them magic items do you do a mix of both what do you need to track if you're on which end of the spectrum um and like what are things you can do to make currency and resources matter in your world without adding extra rules or if you do add extra rules make them as easy as possible yes um a place i'd like to start if that's okay trevor is take it away let's first just like talk a little bit and this should be fairly short which is why i'll start with it is what are some reasons to make resources matter Mm -hmm. um examples i have is basically tabletop games part of kind of the traditional method of gameplay is as you play your character gets stronger in some manner or better or changes we have progression you know they level up they get new abilities they acquire new things to use such as equipment and gold Mm -hmm. Um, so what are some benefits of specifically gold or resources that allow us to supplement leveling up yeah because uh to like expand a little bit on what you said to like break it down to the bone components Pretty much every RPG system has like three pillars of resources. One is XP. XP traditionally in most systems is used 
to make things go up on your character sheet, to make your agility go up, to give you new skills, to do other things that enhance your character's innate traits. Then there are like weapon drops, whether you're playing WoW or whether you're playing D&D or pretty much any other RPG system, Mass Effect, you know, you get weapons, Borderlands, you get weapons. And these weapons in some game systems are intended to be random. Yeah. Or at least have a mechanic like fifth edition's basic mechanic is you roll on this table depending on how big of an enemy you just beat. Yeah. And you get a random amount of resources. Um, and so there's like weapons, but then there's also currency. Like you can get gems and gold and statues that you can sell. Um, so those are like three branches where the weapons that you get and the items are either pre-selected by the game master or randomly chosen. And the third space is kind of what we're talking about this gold these are supposedly resources that your players get to choose how to spend yes that's where i was so how do you give them those choices yeah because the the reason i asked you know the why is ultimately to get to that statement there where xp is kind of universally distributed most of the time it's equal to all players or close to equal to all players Um, weapons are sort of random and or tailored to a specific player or group of players yeah. or an archetype. Um, and then gold is interesting in the way that, or currency, we're just going to say gold. Um, gold is interesting in the way that the party as a collective can choose how to spend it, whether that favors one person or whether it favors no one because it's just to move the plot forward or any mm-hmm. other variety of things. And so that's why it's fun to have because, you know, the world's your oyster. That's also why it's a pain because then you have to find things to let them spend it on, mm-hmm. which can be tough because um, it's it's exciting like the the one shot i ran a couple weeks ago um literally the the rogue spent the entire session trying to penny pinch every piece of gold they could get even though they knew it was a one shot that was just the way they're having fun that session like i want to be just the roguiest rogue ever yeah right and so for them just acquiring even five gold that the other players didn't get was a hoot but long term that rogue is going to want to do something with the gold that way they can show off, I have these sweet things that you don't. Um, yeah, so traditionally, you would spend that gold buying potions, maybe upgrading your armor or weapons, mm-hmm. um, hiring people to do things with you, learning skills. Um, like, we'll, we'll talk about it mostly in the context of, of D&D, but a lot of systems struggle from the same problem of like, giving you a resource that there isn't a super clear thing to spend it on. Yeah. I feel like I've played a lot of games and video games too, where you just end up with so much money that it like doesn't matter. Like Skyrim is a perfect example of that. I was going to bring up Skyrim where I, you know, farming blacksmith levels, you don't, you have so much money. You don't care you're waiting weeks at a time to buy new blacksmithing stuff because there's nowhere else in the world to get it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a yeah, great Yeah, you have so much money that you can fast travel to every town, buy everybody clear out of all their raw materials, and then have to wait a week to do it again. Like, that's, an, that's a system where it doesn't... 
the economics obviously aren't sound and they don't matter. Yeah. And it's that happens all the time in RPG systems because like typically that's not the fun part of the game. Yeah. That's not what people are coming to the game for. So like you shouldn't have to have your economics make a bunch of sense because that's no nobody really people understand some things about economics in the real world. But a lot of the times we're still like, I don't know, humans are weird, man. The interesting thing, yeah, is is we are not going to teach you how to build an in-world economy today. That is not the goal. And I'm going to say, as a player, if you're asking for that, stop it. It's going to make your game less fun. If you're a GM and you're like, I want to make a real-world effective economy and I'm tracking goods, your players are very unlikely to care about your massive Excel spreadsheet tracking supply and demand in every location. Mm-hmm. But if, if that's like fun for you to do in your free time, then have at it. Yeah, feel free to do it. Just don't, know it's unlikely to impact the quality of your player's experience. Don't make it a necessary part of engaging with your your campaign content unless yeah. your players explicitly ask for it. Yes, because um, it is just a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Obviously, it's some sort of an abstract way to do this then, as opposed to just a complete explicit, we're going to simulate the real world economy. Because mm-hmm. um, that's just an intractable Side problem. tangent, you dabble in AI. Yeah. Can you build me an AI that will simulate my fantasy economy? I don't even know if it would actually be an AI. Um, well, or, or a program where I could plug in <laughs> regions and then... See, I- then it would auto generate resources and say which resources are scarce and which are not in, a, in different areas. I, I did just say it wouldn't need to be, you know, like a, a learning machine or a neural net or whatever other algorithm you need. You could just do an actual explicit simulation. However, it would be very fun to create like a simulated world with just a bunch of resources, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like a, a matrix and saying how much we have of what thing and where. And then to create like a dozen or so AI agents who are tasked with amassing as much wealth as possible by create by trading and bartering those goods. Mm-hmm. That actually would be very interesting. Just to like have a, a little ticker tape that mm-hmm. just like posts like updates on Twitter. Just like here's the daily value of all these goods and who's on the leaderboard. Because <laughs> that would actually be really cool. That would be immensely time consuming, and for the majority of humans probably a little boring to do in any type of real time. But if there was a program that did it, that could give me a lot of interesting story points. So the yeah. reason we are, we are even talking about gold and resources and why they matter is because we're trying to tell a story. Yes. And an example is in my story where I'm playing with a bunch of people who haven't played a ton of D and we're doing kind of a stereotypical thing um so they're expecting to get gold they're expecting to get loot um and they got into this really hard hard to get into area and then made a bunch of really good rolls to unlock a chest and in the place they were in it made sense that there were a lot of resources in there and so I gave them 30,000 gold. That's a lot. 
and they're level seven now. That's a good chunk of change. Mm-hmm. And then after I did that, I immediately regretted it. Because I was like, I don't really know if I have anything to spend for them to spend that much money on. Yeah. And so then I had this problem of like, what do I need to, what can I, what options can I give them to spend this money in a cool way that they would like? Yeah, I, I have a similar thing. My current campaign uh, is called Climbing Cliffhaven. Uh, Cliffhaven is a city cut into different layers on either side of a massive cliff canyon. Um, very bureaucratic, authoritarian government that is designed to keep people low in the city until they are important enough to rise up. And the players want to get to the top. So to very, very literal top-down caste system. Yes. Etched into a cliff face. <laughs> yeah. And and I was like, okay, you know, they're coming in from having plundered an ancient lost city. They they have a lot of gold. And so the way they can circumnavigate all the just stuff that is in their way is by spending gold. Um, and so then anytime I give them even just like a thousand gold, they're like, sweet, that's annoying stuff we don't have to do. Right. And obviously, actually annoying stuff is still fun and entertaining, but it isn't moving the characters towards the goal. Yeah. And so what gold allows you to do as a player, as a GM, as tabletop RPG communities is it allows characters to express abstract goals and measure their progress towards them. And sometimes specific ones where it's mm -hmm. like, I want to purchase a castle to reclaim my family's nobility. Yeah. I can put a price tag on that and set aside gold. And that's part of why I'm adventuring. And then more than just like a thing that happens, then the GM can be like, okay, let's create a character decision point here. That is interesting where this, you know, disgraced noble who's Robin hooding for everybody around him comes across a massive 40,000 gold windfall. Mm -hmm. How much do they donate to the orphans who they've promised to care for? And how much do they squirrel away to pay for the family castle? Yeah. Because by, by having goals, you can put those goals in conflict. And that's what makes stories. Stories come from conflict. Conflict happens when two goals are exclusive. Mm -hmm. Gold gives you a new way to do that. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before recording that, uh, like, ideally, experience should be the main thing that gives characters more power mechanically I, and i i agree with that statement and very much. magic items and weapons and stuff that you can click onto your character think of it as like an action figure or like in a in a video game where you only have so many slots of items mm -hmm. that you can equip like that's how i think of magic items that they're like these are utility things that allow you to do an extra thing yeah. than you would normally be able to do. But you don't want to give too many of those. Otherwise, they it becomes hard to run encounters, right? Yeah. It becomes hard to like balance things. Um, not that balance is always king, but it does feel bad when you are finishing all the fights in one round of combat and nobody ever goes unconscious. Um, my advice for anyone that's running into that, stop giving permanent magic items and just give consumables of any kind. 
Mm -hmm. or really niche ones. Consumables are your best friend if you want to give the players something cool that they will eventually use and and be like, remember when we got that? And, you know, the the, the item itself has a story of we acquired it here, carried it forever, and was finally useful and used up. Because then even if it destroys an encounter, right, the players feel like they earned it because they saved this one-off item for that point in time. Just give the barbarian a power punch gauntlet. For one hit, it will let them do 10d12 damage. But only yeah. for one hit? One hit. That's It's still a lot, right? They, it's still really cool. On top of their normal damage. They'll hold on to that forever. Yeah, and, and when they use it, even if it doesn't one-shot the boss, you know, it, it will feel like it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Because you'll know, I need to make it feel like this was worth it. Um, so I, I'm going to propose kind of a line which should guide any resource system. Gold, currency, barter, stuff, whatever. Gold should allow players to set long-term goals. But they should also be able to use the resource for short-term things that then inherently create conflict in goals on the players they want to achieve the long-term goal mm-hmm. the short-term expenditures allow them to do things better you know yeah i want to i'm saving for the castle but man a dozen health potions before we go into this dungeon would be really sweet yeah it's a, right it, i mean that's how money works in the real world right exactly like, people have their long-term goals they have say like ideally every financial advisor in the world would tell you you should have a rainy day fund like a three months of whatever and then you should be saving for things expenses you expect to have whether you are going to need a new car soon you're trying to buy a house and then you should be planning for retirement yep and so you have these three buckets and they're always in conflict with each other because my stupid lizard brain wants every tech toy under the sun that I happen to watch a dumbass YouTube video about, even though I know full well I will never use the thing. I will use it five times, maybe ten times. I'm very, very guilty of all of that. (laughs) Yeah. But then when I think about it, I go, ooh, 65-year-old Trevor would like to be able to stop working 40 hours yeah. a week yeah. um so i constantly like well financial advisors i've listened to a lot of podcasts about this where they're like you need to trick yourself you need to create a character that is your older self sorry this is going to be a weird financial advice tangent but i'll, I'll bring it back into fantasy here in a second I mean, it's on brand for us so yeah go for it <laughs> uh it's like literally give this person a name and be like Every time I spend money on something stupid that I don't need now, I'm literally stealing it from them. Future me. Yeah. Sir Sir Trevor, who's trying to retire into the Appalachian Mountains and become an expert hillbilly, he's not going to be able to afford a cabin now. What are you doing? Did you need to eat out for the eighth time this week just because you're a little stressed? You could have gone home and made a sandwich. Come on. 
right? Yeah, that's, that's and, and genuinely then, good advice. And then you go, oh, shit, like, I'm literally... Then it tricks you into going, oh, I'm stealing from myself. I'm stealing from my goals. Like, oh, I'm trying to buy a new car or a new house or XYZ or save up for my kid's college. Your adventurers are doing the same thing. So if your adventurers eventually want to knock out the big bad evil guy... They need resources. They need allies. They need to be able to cash in favors. Mm-hmm. You can literally buy favors. Absolutely you can. So, um, how, like, the example you gave is, we want 12 health potions before we go into this fight, this XYZ thing, this encounter over here, because that'll keep us alive in the short term. <clears throat> but in the long term, we want to buy this castle yes should we and then then there's the conflict is like well maybe we should buy six potions instead so that we have more money for the castle what if we mm -hmm. run into a what if on our random table when we're out in the wilderness we run into the merchant who will only sell us things once and we may never run into him again but we spent all our money on health potions like there's ways you can make those things feel like they matter in your game world by just introducing them some extra things that aren't a lot of extra work yes because ultimately you know you don't want to make it so like it's a crisis every time the wallet comes out that's not fun you they know they're gonna get the castle yeah it's just a question of when right the, whoever's running that game is obviously going to make sure if the players want to buy a castle and they have put a price tag on it then a reasonable part of their preparation is saying, okay, how much gold are they going to get from each quest they go on? And then it's just a question of how many quests they go on before they have a castle, you know? And, and that's because whether it's seven or 10, they still get the castle, but along the way, they might've picked up, you know, a couple magic items from a random dude. Who's like, I found this sword in a, in, in, in my, in my well, Mm -hmm. I sensed a magical aura upon it. I've sworn off from using swords. Please take it from me. I will request some gold in exchange or whatever. Yeah. It's like they picked up a magic item. They bought some potions here or there, but they still see that mountain of wealth crawling up there. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking of like easy ways to track that. I, I think what I might do in that situation, specifically the party saving up for a castle I would probably find a way just to make it super explicit in game world terms, like how much money they're going to need to get the castle. Yes. And say, okay, you have this plot of land. You have an old crumbling keep that you can retrofit. It's going to cost you 20,000, 30,000 gold. Hey, you know what else is interesting about that one? Uh -huh. That particular example is you can even like, you can take it a, a step farther and say, hey, you can get work started on it right now. You just have to have the money by this date. Yeah. And then, that it's, a then it's a money-making quest. Then in one fell swoop, you've made the two just like bugbears of D&D, time and money. You made mm -hmm. them both matter a whole lot really fast. You know? Yeah. Because the other thing you could do is like, we're going to keep going with the story. I understand that you guys want a castle. You will need to do a certain amount of questing to be able to afford this castle. Mm -hmm. And here, 
right now, if you don't spend money on anything else, it'll take you roughly seven quests. Yeah. Or five quests or whatever it is. And then just let them know. Every time you spend money on something else, um, it'll be taking away from your castle savings. Um, and then you can just track off to the side, like, here's how much the party has in their party funds. And then if they take away from it, just have them track that. And then when they reach 40,000, they come to you. Yeah. And if this is sounding like, why, why should I care? There, this is a very specific, you know, we're doing an example to build upon it. But like other places it can matter is, you know, like I said, the climbing cliff haven. They can buy their way out of just nuisances that waste time, resources, and HP. Ultimately, in, in this particular campaign I'm running, the end-all be-all resource is stuff is going to cost you HP. If you take too long getting places, you're going to get in more fights you're going to lose HP and someone might die. Um, that makes spending money very worth it because it also means the cleric isn't wasting spells on HP. Mm -hmm. They don't have to take weeks off, or not weeks, but like days off from adventuring to just sit around town so they can get their HP back. It also means getting money, get-rich-quick schemes are a real thing. Yeah. Two examples that were very, very fun and made the sessions better as opposed to just like we're a side feature that we're motivated by we want to get money from this encounter we've run into. Yeah. Number one, um, they found a fight club and the beefy brawly fighter um, was like, I'll do a fight club. And they're like, sweet, how do you want to do it? And he's like, uh, what's the toughest you got? And they're like, all right, you're doing 10 fights back to back to back to back. And there's going to be astronomical odds against you. Everybody else perks up and like, sweet, we're going all in because we know that this guy's a monster. That right there, while ultimately it's trading his HP right now for a lot of gold later. What ends up happening, though, is it's this entire like hour-long montage of the party trying to ensure that he does, in fact, win. They're now trying to rig the fight without people yeah. realizing it, you know? Oh, and dude, it, it, so in the scenario you gave earlier where you said, sure, we can have your keep ready in a week. But we need the gold by the end of the week. We need the gold in two days or we're, we're out of town. We are mm -hmm. this mythical team of dwarven stonemasons. We can yeah. literally have you a castle up and running in a week. We have the skills. We have the technology. We just need the money, baby. But we're mm -hmm. leaving in two days to go on another contract. If we don't have money from you. Guess then, we got to get rich quick. So... Then you release a group of level seven and PCs on an unsuspecting town. Like there are so many cool ways that your characters can think up to make money in either dubious ways or righteous ways or underhanded ways. Like, yeah, like just off the top of the head, you could rob everyone blind. You could have the paladin, you know, promise protection from brigands by oh, moving <laughs> the entire town into the keep of the castle right yes. then the town's paying for the castle for you right you could have the rest of the party be the brigands the paladin is protecting them from oh and the paladin God. doesn't know right because everyone's like the party the party conspires to trick the paladin into right <laughs> into like, offering okay. protection and then they're like hey dude don't look over here we're changing it i mean we're <laughs> right like that's a very fun session yeah and so like 
for not a lot of time investment on making gold matter. You, you just know? have the druid change into the nastiest, gnarliest animal that you know that they know and just have them start eating livestock and then, <laughs> and then you go and you're like, "We'll save you from the monster." And then you literally have like a 10-minute battle where you're like trying to kill the druid and then you finally yeah. like beat it and it puffs back into the druid but it's really the druid stumbling out of the woods and being like i cast you back to hell foul spawn yeah that's a classic two-man scam right like yeah and those would be a hoot to play but also like tense too because if you fail you lose your castle you know they like claim the plot of land because it's in the fine print or something mm-hmm. so you have to not only do you have to get the money a second time to build a castle, you have to find a new place to build it or, or whatever, you know, and, and all that can just slot in as like a one shot adventure mm-hmm. where you need to space some things out or just organically occurs throughout it. Like mm-hmm. one that or- organically happened that like changed a specific encounter is my players were interacting with an NPC who had some information and they're bribing her. Right. And she works at a yeah. really high end place. And so she needs like a lot of money and the rogues like, okay, I shall offer you 500 gold pieces for this information. She says, oh, no, no, that's that's not enough. She's like, all right, I'm going to double it. And she takes the money. And and my rogue gets to smile because the town they're in recently legalized crime. You just have to join the Thieves Guild and you keep 10% of your earnings. You have to meet your quotas, blah, blah, blah. Tongue-in-cheek, Terry Pratchett stuff. Um, but then he whips out his Thieves Guild authorization is like okay i'm robbing you now can i have 500 of that gold back i need to meet my quota this week i'll write you a really big receipt for this robbery and it was a very very funny and enjoyable encounter where otherwise he probably wouldn't have even bothered bribing her yeah right because he knew he could get away with it a little bit he was willing to go along with the extortion of this person for information Mm -hmm. and we had a riotous time laughing about how he just immediately got his gold back it's it, it organically grows the game in a very fun way yeah so like fifth edition there are prices for like potions um there's prices for like some magical services um there's like generic pricing on some magical items but unlike previous editions like three five fourth edition um i don't know about second edition you would know more than me like they had specific price points for specific items. If you wanted the bra- if you wanted the belt of giant strength, you could look in the book and it literally costs this much gold. 5e is a little more like if it's common, uncommon, rare, like it's just blanket this much money. I second edition does not have that. There's probably supplements that ha- introduce it for a variety mm-hmm. of different settings because that was like setting fever was second edition. Yeah. Um, the second edition was in general still very more dungeon delvey kind of high lethality. And so being able to buy magic items is not in tune with that flavor. Yeah. Right. Because then you can you can in three five. Right. There's builds which say you need this much gold to pull off this build. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, yeah. you need all these items. Right. Um for me, with 5th edition, where it's, you know, this rarity costs this much, I, I find, just in general, the numbers don't jive for me personally. I'm sure they work fine. I, I like just lower numbers in gold, mm-hmm. um, where 10,000 should feel like a fortune. 
to me. Ten thousand gold. I, I yeah. don't use copper or like silver the, pieces or anything. The, it's just the all economy gold in the D and D system is like you technically you can buy a meal for like coppers. Yeah. But then your heroes have ten thousand gold on them. Like that's a kingdom's it's more than a king's ransom. You would ha- right? you would have thieves across the land drooling. Your party Which, should be getting attacked every f- damn day. And that that's a good way to like you know show why they need that castle they're saving up for, make yeah. it feel worth it. Is they're constantly having people try and steal their bag of holding or whatever. Ooh, that's a great way to make money matter. Is just say, hey, so um. I gave you guys 30,000 gold and you've been carrying it around and you keep opening your magical transdimensional war chest and showing it off at every shop that you've been shopping at. People want it. Like 10,000 gold is more than most people in the D&D standard 5e universe make in their entire lifetime. I think probably 100 is enough to literally retire so as a peasant you best believe people would be willing to die to get ten thousand gold from you they don't even need to steal the whole fortune right they just take a handful walk away filthy rich mm-hmm. um so for me personally the way i do economics is just i i, I really only use gold pieces i don't nothing is worth copper because yeah. copper is worthless um for, for, again also that just makes tracking easier right i don't need four different kinds of currency and three of them don't matter. Yeah, I can't. I can barely focus anyway. Yeah. Don't give me two extra numbers to keep track of. Yeah. Is it more realistic? Because the filthy rich just have a ludicrous amount of money. Sure. Is it usable? No. And so for me, I, I just find, okay, what do I want to comfortably give out number wise to track at the end of a reasonable quest? And it usually ends up being around five to 10,000 gold. And so that needs to be a lot of money. And so it needs to be able to buy a lot, but also be used through. So potions typically cost one to 500 gold for me. Mm -hmm. So at the end of a quest, you can get about 10 potions. That's, that's a comfortable, just easy mental math I can do. That makes it then Okay. Since you can, again, for this higher lethality campaign I'm running, since everything translates to HP, thousand bucks is worth about 40 to 50 HP in potions mm-hmm. so anything they do i can translate to hp i don't mentally do that right i'm not thinking in terms of hp but by creating that rule of thumb i can just kind of intuit okay they should get this much from this thing yeah and be okay um so the way that i have kind of tried to solve that problem so i mentioned earlier that you know i gave my party this like thirty thousand gold Uh, And basically I said it was, it's not straight gold. It's like materials. Yeah. It's rare materials that you found in this ancient storeroom. Um, And the reason I ended up flavoring it that way is because I didn't want them to think that they just had 30,000 gold pieces on hand. Um, Because to me, that's too flexible. And I don't, I give out a lot of magic items anyway because I really love making magic items. Mason can attest to this. Yes. Uh, you play a barbarian who probably has as many magic items as any wizard I've ever known. 
I, I have a, quite a few magic items, and it's very and, ironic because up till and, now I don't care what they are. <laughs> yeah, and and that's because of how I get joy out of GMing is like yeah. I like making wacky magic items, and usually I give out too many of them, and then I go, huh. and now I need to steal these back. Uh, <laughs> so I knew that going in. So I was like, shit, they have 30,000 gold, quote unquote. I don't want them to be able to spend that on magic items. Because I yeah. will already give them too many magic items. Uh, so what I what I decided instead is they have a home base. Uh, they stated pretty early on that they wanted a, a center, a base of operations. Um, so I said that all of these materials can be used to upgrade their base. And that's it. Or they can be traded for, like, favors. Yeah. So then I gave them some parameters of you can do these kind of things. Um, I looked up a couple things, but honestly, I just made a system of, like, you can create a workshop in your home base for 5,000 gold. And you can upgrade that workshop for 5,000 gold. So it's just very simple. 5,000 gold increments. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they have a couple other magic items I gave them that, like, also can eat into money that have to do with the base. But what happens is when you have a workshop at your base, that means you can have these kind of supplies ready for you if you take a long rest at base. Yeah, that that incentivizes going back home, right? Instead of just staying in a dungeon. Because their adventure, um, I don't know if I've talked about it before on the podcast, uh, so I'll just do, like, a quick overview it started out pretty sandboxy and they went to this like arcane ancient tower that had an oracle living in it and the oracle gave them some quests to do because the tower is what lets the oracle get information it's like this giant arcane construct that constantly needs maintenance so whenever adventurers show up the oracle goes hey fix all this shit for me so i can keep doing oracle shit (laughs) Uh, i don't have time to do all the repairs i let the adventurers do that and then i will answer one question for them truthfully um so they did all the rigmarole they got to the top of the tower and the guy's like what is your one question uh, and so the party, I literally let the party like be like, can we just uh, have a minute? Um, and they walked away and had a discussion for like 30 minutes about what the question was. And they asked, and then they decided to ask, um, within the area around your tower, where are items of legendary magical power? And that is, that's the question that they asked. Um, so basically, they asked for an area map with just markers of where powerful magic shit was. <laughs> uh, which is cool. That is a really cool adventure idea, right? Because like every single point of interest, you, you know something sweet is there, but you have no clue what it is. And no way to really prepare yeah, and so so they asked a really generic question because, and what that tells me is they want cool loot, right? Mm-hmm. So as a as a GM, that gave me awesome information, um, and that's why they wanted to set up a home base. So they had a point, a base of operations to jump to all these points of interest. Yeah, 
Um, so that's like where I'm coming from. So I knew they wanted a home base. I know they wanted to go find these cool magic items. And I make, I made several of the magic items, things that would upgrade their base. Cause yeah, they have a positive feedback loop. Yeah. There are legendary artifacts of arcane mastery or whatever from an ancient civilization yeah. or a super powerful civilization in my case that society is only about 500 years away from them but it was a very brutal high magic society yeah so um so that that's a way that you can make money matter and be like hey you want to go find all these cool magic items you need a constant string of supplies to do that invest in a home base and that will get you the supplies you just make those dungeons you know front loaded enough on like the, the their inability to prep for them so they need a little bit of extra just catch me up mm -hmm. juice potions consumable things that they can use to get them out of trouble yeah uh which then which that makes the dungeons more fun yeah because the the funny thing about this is they already had a super rare magical item like a legendary magical item because they got the better of a forest spirit in my world like the forest spirit, the Adolins, are literally like manifestations of the area's natural power, and they protect the natural places around them. Mm -hmm. um, and so this one was like a trickster spirit that was trying to steal their bag of holding while they were sleeping. And they managed to subdue it, and it gave them a medallion that would protect their party from it trying to mess with them. Oh, dang. But if they activated the medallion, the creature would show up and fight with them. It's a really flavorful item. I like yeah. it a lot. And so basically it gave them a free pass to go in this thing's lands and not get fucked with. Right? Mm -hmm. Because it was, they barely, barely, barely subdued it. And the, so they were scared. But when they got to the tower with the repositor, this oracle figure, they traded that medallion for extra information on the map. Yeah, because so, by so, giving them a resource, they were able to use it. Yeah, so all they got on the map, <laughs> the extra information they got was just names of locations. So, so like you said, they going into the majority of these points of interest, all they know is that there is a super dope magical item there. They don't, for the most part, they don't know what the magical item does, and they don't know where they are walking into. So most of their money is being spent on preparing them for lots of random stuff. Yeah, that's that's fun. Um, your medallion story reminded me of just another reason why to have this sort of flexible resource that we're talking about, currency or just resources or consumables or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, uh, another big kind of common issue people are trying to solve in their games, be it players, be it GMs, is they want to have a way to just really hook a specific character or characters into something, right? To show the gravity of a situation um, that isn't just, I'm going to kill your parents, you know? Because some, some people mm -hmm. don't care about their backstory or... The, the, their characters are all those, and that's fine. Feel free to not care about that. Uh, but there needs 
as a GM, it's very useful to have a way to just kind of poke at a character and, and get them riled up about something, right? Bef while we were uh, chatting about this beforehand, Trevor uh, was mentioning, you know, he, he's going to introduce this really big bad evil guy. And a common way to make sure that people realize and get the characters in invested on that is have the big bad evil guy do something that hurts the players. That way they become immediately invested in, like, we are going to take this guy down. Uh, he stole my cool sword. <laughs> stealing stuff is a great way to do that. Players will never forgive anyone that stole their stuff, mm -hmm. whether it's just pure raw resources as gold or stealing magic items. It's an easy way to immediately get people invested into a situation by placing something like that in jeopardy, mm -hmm. even yeah. in a positive way. As, as far as I'm concerned, uh, this is a little different in like our campaign with uh, me, you, uh, David, and Danny. Because you mm -hmm. guys have explicitly said, like, hey, mess with my character's skills. Yeah. Um, but for the majority of campaigns, I would say the, the, the GM has fair game to steal magic items and steal resources. Absolutely. They, the the bad guys in your world should be trying to do that from your players all the time. Yeah. So it is not it's not mean for you to take their cool magic sword. It's fuel. Yeah, and some players handle it differently, and, and there's there's good way, good and bad ways to it. You know, just a random pickpocket doesn't ever feel good unless it's intended to be like you chase the pickpocket and find find the thieves den. Mm -hmm. Right. If it's just a random encounter is you lose your super dope magic sword. That's it's sort of, it's like the anticlimactic climactic character death. Some people are going to be totally fine with it. And some people are going to be like, how dare you? So that that's what I to talk about. But if it's the big, bad evil guy. Yeah. I say absolutely free. Right. You got to give well. it stakes. Like, so, yeah. so they fight the big, bad evil guy and they're losing. Yeah. And the big, bad evil guy at this point might not say he doesn't care about them that much. It's early in the story arc. Yeah, the first and he And he knocks out a character. His attack brings a character to zero hit points. Have him bend down and pick up one of their magic items. And then as soon as he picks up a magic item, he and his henchmen are trying to flee. Yeah, they just like walk out of there because they don't care. Just a giant slap in the face, right? Yeah, dude, they will want to kill that person. Yeah, and and it's interesting too because it's it's a way to do lasting damage to a character, just like we were talking about in the death episode, right? Yeah. Where it it's not HP because they get that back. It's something that you unless you get that item back, that is permanent damage to the character. It doesn't also render them useless the way losing mm -hmm. a limb might. Okay. Um. And and so we're talking about how to make resources matter, and we're talking about this magic item right now which is a resource but as we defined it earlier like we're really talking about gold and gems mm -hmm. so something interesting would be we brought up the idea of like brigands constantly trying to steal stuff from your party members yeah my party members that have thirty thousand gold right now i could attack them with a highly trained like thieves guild group have them steal a couple magic items and if the party thinks of the idea, they could just go, hey, hey, whoa, 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 stop fighting. Everybody, we will give you 7,000 gold if you just drop those items and leave right now. 
Yeah, gold can end encounters. Absolutely. Like, uh, if you're talking to a castle guard and you need into the prison to in lightly question a prisoner, the guard, if they if you get caught, the guard will die. He will be strung up for treason. Yeah. Right? But if you offer him 5,000 gold, he can go anywhere in the world and live a happy life for the rest of his days. They can be out of the city hours before you guys get caught. So that that is a great way to make gold matter, to make these resources matter. If you find yourself in a situation like me where you have foolishly just thrown out gold like it's going out of style literally let your players know hey you guys have a bunch of gold i haven't given you a ton of ways to spend it if you would like to expedite a social encounter show me the money yeah even you know lower level combats with people who value that as well as mentioned with the brigands dude if you're fighting goblins you can negotiate them they're stupid right traditionally yeah negotiate them down from 100 to 20 gold say Just we'll give you a funny haggle <laughs> yeah we will give you 100 gold and then the bard or the rogue or whoever's charismatic tries to haggle them down <laughs> you know they, they underbid like no I'll, I'll give them 80 I, I value them much more than you do you know that's that's a very fun scene and it's it's letting the players take additional actions, right? That's ultimately what flexible resources are for, is it empowers characters to take actions that otherwise are unavailable or just harder. Yeah, because in, in my mind, this third wing of resources, XP is for players. Items are to get extra utility. Gold is to have narrative effects. And those narrative effects can be are generally going to be to speed things up like your situation where they want to buy 12 healing potions. That means they don't have to spend spells or take as many rests, right? Yep. So that speeds things up. That speeds the narrative up. Exactly. If they would like to get through this city without raising suspicion and they have wanted posters everywhere, then they can just, the party can just say, we will spend a thousand gold to not have any problems in the city. Yeah. And you just flavor that as every time a guard approaches them, they offer them, you know, 50 to a hundred gold. And over the time in the city, you know, they're kind of shelling that out a couple times because their wanted posters are everywhere. Yep. Uh, so, so, so that's one way to like bite into their resources by letting them know, Hey, if you have all this money, if you would like to spend it in weird ways and try to make things happen faster, then we'll negotiate a price on the spot. Yeah. The, the, the way I came to viewing the game this way for me, um, I'd be curious to hear kind of your journey for it. Mm-hmm. Um, is especially, you know, I say it a lot, but going back through the older editions of D and D and even the newer ones, D and D is a specifically dungeons and dragons, the, the brand, the product, it, it approaches, the players with a gauntlet of attrition 
Yes. It is unlikely that a single encounter is going to drain all of the player's resources and leave them dead. The encounters throughout a day might. And so whenever anything becomes about attrition in a game, that means resource management is kind of the king to winning, quote unquote, right? Whether that is managing your HP, your spell slots, your daily abilities. And so I lean into that where if you want to get things done, it will cost you something. I don't care what it is, as long as the players realize they have to give me something. That adds stakes, regardless of what that something is. How is throwing 100 gold at a blacksmith that you want a special project from any different than casting Charm Person on them? Yeah, exactly. You're just just spending a different resource, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about it that way, like, you you're giving the players opportunities to choose what resource they want to spend yes if you open up that possibility um because i feel like i have often fallen into the the trap and i've talked to a lot of other dms and people that have played uh games that run into this problem where it's just like we're sitting on a pile of gold and we don't really know what to do with it Mm -hmm. but something as simple as hey you're allowed to bribe people and it's it's not a bribe it's a negotiation Mm -hmm. right if you go to the king and you want to do this crazy plan to try and end the world early or end the world end the war (laughs) early you know you want to go out on this crazy thing and they're just like, oh, that would never work. The diplomacy just wouldn't work out. And the party goes, we will fund this expedition. We'll put you up. You don't need to deal with the merchants. I have the money here. I will put up 10,000 gold right now and we will deal with it. Yeah. And worst case scenario, you can blame everything on us if it goes to shit. Mm hmm. Like, that is a cool way for them to have a story moment where because of all of the work they did before, they had the necessary tools to solve this problem. Uh, for a for hands-on example, uh, in the campaign I ran, uh, the last session we did, we had ended with a bit of a cliffhanger where they'd handled a really tense negotiation between all the three gangs in the Undercity to try and unify them and start the war they want to start against the Upper City. Mm-hmm. But right at the end, um, there was a very clear schism in one of the gangs, and it started a little mini civil war. And so we had kind of a combat at the inn, you know, where they're doing this diplomatic meeting, big old fight. They wrapped that up. I'm like, okay, cool. Now, this particular gang has a base, and they are well equipped. They have a lot of magic items, a lot of consumables. You need to decide if it is worth you going and seizing that for you. And your faction and your supporters. Or if you're going to let that fall to the people who will in the future be hostile to you. And I said, yeah, it's worth going and getting that. Because resources. Yeah. And as opposed to doing an enormous three hour long combat. Pushing through this camp. Which would have been cool but exhausting. And we had other things to do. I said, okay. What are you as your characters giving up to try and seize this area Mm -hmm. for your faction? Are you spending spell slots? Are you spending just HP knocking skulls together? 
Are you spending money? Are you spent? Are you using skills and spending time? Are you leveraging re- relationships? A- anything is game as long as you can justify it being the way you're using it. If someone says, you know what, I will give the faction head who's opposing us this plus three sword of awesomeness that is the best magic item we've gotten in the entire game, boom, that would have, that would have solved it entirely, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a really big thing to give up. Uh, Instead, we had we a had a handful guild of- would literally kill people to get a hold of a weapon like that yeah right and, and so we had the the beef tank fighter dwarf he gave up like 30 hps like yeah i'm just gonna kind of go and and you know i asked them to sh- describe how they're doing it just so we could set the scene he's like yeah i'm going in the back alley just like cracking skulls um the wizard spent a disguise spell uh spell and some money to get like a cloak and he's like i want to kind of do the princess bride physic in the wheelbarrow scene and light the robe on fire <laughs> and and make people think i'm a demon coming to claim this area for myself i'm like sweet that is amazing and the rogue whose alter ego is a bard he's like yeah i'm going to be going and procre- proclaiming the glory of this demon and how people need to flee before it and bribe some other people to also you know encourage people to leave that way we don't have to fight as much and so together, by just picking what resources they're spending, we kind of build this little story of this montage of moving through this little mm-hmm. tent-based encampment street to street. And so it creates a really cool scene where people are saying, okay, here's what I'm willing to give up. Okay. So so what I'm hearing you saying is these types of opportunities are a chance for your players to tell a story that they want to tell but not as much as the main goal, right? Yeah. So, it, like, you can think of these resources like gold or even magic items and hit points and stuff as an expendable resource uh, to skip over a part of the story they don't care about, but they want to get the benefit from. Yeah, and so, or just so is if, it practical? Yeah. So if, like, you don't... If they surprise you as the GM with a scenario that you're just not ready for, you just say, hey, it's going to be a skill challenge, and the DC is going to be set by how many resources you're willing to spend. Yeah, basically, right? Um, so if you if you spend 10,000 gold, you just win. Like, we're you not going to roll it. any dice. You just do it, and we will narrate it basically however you want, within reason. Yeah. If... You only want to spend 15 hit points. Okay, it's going to be a DC 25 skill challenge. Good luck. And if it goes poorly, you, you end up in a fight and you lose twice that many hit points and you don't get what you want. Yeah. You know, it, basically, I told him, ante up. What are you giving up? We're going to roll some dice. And mm-hmm. if things go poorly, we're going to tax you harder. Yeah. Because as a GM, if I'm if I'm ready for another scenario, I've drawn battle map, maps for the actual story. And this is a side quest. This is a great way to resolve it. Yeah, it was absolutely a side quest, right? It had yeah. long-term ramifications that basically just decides how difficult random encounters are later. Yeah, so like, it's a side quest. Let them know explicitly, hey, this is a side quest. You guys can spend gold on it if you want, or you can spend spell slots, or you can spend this, and we can roll a skill challenge. May I interest you in our premium currency if you purchase pizza with real-world dollars? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're Doge. now a crappy mobile game. We did it. Dogecoin. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. 
we're we're breaking into the cryptocurrencies baby it's the future this, this <laughs> you, now i want to have a like crazy warlock who's preaching the gospel of <laughs> of bitcoin in the D universe he's got some arcano currency it, it authorizes like spell use by by encrypting it and hiding what spell a wizard is casting in combat so then people don't realize they can counter it (laughs) yeah and so you 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 who who are the who are the arcane miners in that situation (laughs) you you spend your unused spell slots before a long rest and turn them into spell coin or whatever (laughs) oh well i i'm smelling the next golden opportunity oh Yes, I'm going to become an Arcano coin millionaire. You're going to share that, right? Uh, no. <laughs> nice. I'm just kidding. Gold gold should be a team resource. I think uh that that's another thing just about resources that we didn't talk about and this will probably yeah. be a different episode is like how the party manages resources Mm -hmm. because that takes it more to the social aspect right where Mm -hmm. it's easy like some people just need more gold like our rogue uses more gold than anybody else yeah in part because they're the rogue but in part because the person playing them thinks in that way he he interned at a massive accounting firm in germany yeah like he he knows the things money he, can do. He is the person <laughs> that we were setting up scenarios for earlier about creating economics in the world. He's yeah. the he is the exception to the rule. He is the player that might be interested in that. Yeah, where everybody right. else doesn't care. And so he he spends more gold than anybody, but everyone's fine with it. But in some parties, someone else might be like, "But my character earned that gold, and so you need to navigate that." Um. And there's a variety of tools you can do that, in addition to just the the party resources being a thing as well. Um, Like in our party, you know, Starry kept the money for forever. And then randomly Pitt's like, hey, I just spent like 200,000 gold. We have that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Which was super funny uh, (laughs) because Lestaria in our campaign, which is David's character, is the most unscrupulous party member but convinced everybody else to give the gold to her. So then yeah. she could just spend money. Like l- literally we had scenes where she spent like 200 gold on like armored corsets and like ridiculous shit. Yeah. And Pitt literally like doesn't care about money. We haven't established whether or not his home wor- homeland uses currency or not. They didn't um, before. Yeah. That, that was kind of my inkling as well. Where it's like, hey, you, you just, trade for the things you need and try not to need and then it was randomly... a very it was a very cyclical economy that that worked yeah. well but now that we're there it's kind of fucked up yeah but during some downtime after the first major campaign arc um in return for saving the town the town gave him a mine and was like the only thing you got to do is build a keep there and he he ended up with a squad of mercenaries so he's like okay you're operating out of there and keeping people safe and while building the keep and like expanding the mine to include a quarry, he spent like hundreds of thousands of gold. And this was like out of session. And so I yeah. just showed up and, and, and just we had a bit where Pitt walks up to Star and I was like, hey, we have this much money, right? 
Yeah, and if you didn't, because you legitimately didn't know how much gold I, the party I had. Didn't. And I so didn't. I was just like, okay, you tell me what you want to build, and I will tell you how much it costs. And if your yeah. character vomits at the amount, then I will make you take pieces away. And you were like, nope, we're going for it. And so if you had walked up to this character and said, hey, yeah. we have that much money, right? And she said, um, no. Then it would have been a quest, much like you said, like, hey, uh, your artisans are going to need this money or they are leaving. And, and it was especially funny because during downtime, Dave had mentioned, like, I've got some big plans to spend a lot of this money. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he oh, underspent yeah. me by a mile. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty great. Yeah. So, so, like, those are some ways to make money matter is make it a social opportunity, make it a home-based building opportunity, find ways to have it tell the story that aren't directly tied to character stats because XP already does that, right? Leveling yeah. up already does that. Magic items, to a certain extent, already do that. Um, mm-hmm. You can have it to where, if you don't give out a lot of magic items, gold buys magic items. Or consumables. I'm a huge fan of buying consumables, because they're, yeah. they're just one and done. And so the gold goes away like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's the kind of scary thing, is when gold becomes a permanent buff. And yeah. Th- then it's easy to like, oh, I quote-unquote broke the game, which... I find it's harder to do than you think, but it does the, happen. The other option we didn't talk about is just, like, don't give them any gold. Yeah. Like, Literally only give them items and XP. Like, if everybody's happy with that, that's fine, you know? Like, you can, you can justify there being a cache of items in every enemy's base ever. Oh, yeah. And they complete the quest, they get to loot the cache. Or, you know, there's a really dope pimp crown. Uh, one of my players, Ryan, like he didn't care about money. His his first character, it was it was a different dwarf than the beefcake fighter dwarf. Um, he didn't care about the money too much, but if there was ever some really dope jewelry, you know he was like, I want that, and he he just wore it. He didn't use it. He didn't sell it. He just wore it as part of his outfit. And his his characters collected really dope jewelry stuff from it. This undead city. Now that was a character quirk, and it was really funny, you know. Um, yeah so there's there's lots of ways to like plug it into something that isn't necessarily just buying more powerful stuff yeah i really like the consumable idea because it's yeah hey it's a temporary thing you have you spent money to expedite something Mm -hmm. whether it's healing whether it's not spending spell slots um like i like that idea more than just the player going into the player's handbook and picking out a random magic item and grabbing it. Not yeah. a random one, because a lot of times they'll grab one that is exceptionally awesome for them. Yes. And I would almost rather have them go on a quest for that. Yeah, like if there's something they really, really want, I'll give it to them. I'll just make them work for it. Yeah. Right? Gold is a way to kind of measure up where otherwise they don't. If the party doesn't have a healer you know there's going to be healing potion vendors all over the place. Yeah, They can still have access to that facet of the game. If they don't have a rogue, they can buy a magic lock pick that picks locks by itself, but it takes half an hour or something like that. You know? Yeah, dude, that's, that is an excellent point that we didn't touch on is if there's a gap in your party. Yeah, just, if just there's no things up. If there's nobody that can cast Disguise Self, 
but you have to do mm-hmm. a heist. You're going to have to buy scrolls of disguised self. Those are a thousand gold a pop. Yeah. Um, and they only last for an hour. My my party did an, an entire like three session arc under a lake. It was really cool. They had to buy uh, underwater breathing spells because their mage could cast it, but he could only cast it for two of them. And it took a bunch of his spell slots and like they're high level spell slots the highest he has let's let him have those you know yeah yeah that, that's, that's the that's exact a, compromise i was just talking about that's yeah. an excellent point if if your party has too much money throw a problem at it at them that you know they don't have a solution to yeah that there is a specific spell that will help them get through this and they will need to buy five spell scrolls for it, for it. or come up with a better solution because they might yeah they absolutely. like it is totally fair that your party would be like oh we're just gonna send one person down with a water breathing potion they are gonna be the one who knows how to cast teleport and then they're just gonna teleport us into the underwater ruin yeah that's in- sweet instead of us all having to swim down there because that's a waste of money yeah that's just that- as cool <laughs> That's in a way cooler, right? Because that character gets a spotlight. Yeah. And the party is giving them that spotlight voluntarily, which is a really beautiful thing. They're like, okay, this is your moment to shine, dude. You you picked the spellcaster. This is what the spellcaster gets to do. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, so that's instead, of, instead of spending five spell slots, they got to spend one and then go down. So like, yeah, yeah. It, it, like give them problems that they that would incentivize them to spend gold but then don't punish them for not spending their gold yeah that's not what we're trying to get at here we're just trying to give some options to whittle down at their coffers yeah gold gold is a really cool tool to leverage once you get there it because it it lets you just play with lots of things in a very abstract way where we're tabletop gaming often wants a, a very nitty-gritty answer to things yeah they like you could play D D in a very straightforward do you have a spell to solve this problem or no and if you don't then you're gonna have to fight somebody yeah but if you have gold people like money man money i like money go around i would do a <laughs> lo- i would do a lot for a million dollars i'm letting you know right now i i could do a lot with a million dollars that is true. I'm telling you, if you came up to me on the street and were like, will you do XYZ for a million dollars? I don't know if there's a lot that I wouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a powerful thing, money. And the, the beautiful thing is this, this is one of those tools that empowers the players and the GM equally. Yes. But in different ways, right? It, it doesn't doesn't remove agency from the gm because you you know the way sometimes a really powerful magic item does where it's like well now flying is not a problem for these characters ever again i can no longer make flying puzzles because they can always solve them for free yeah money giving the players money gives the players a lot of choices and because they have those choices it frees up the design constraints on the gm because they can just kind of say worst case scenario they can solve it with money and move on which is really cool mm-hmm. there's not a lot of games that have that just yeah purely a, a lot of times thing. i tell my players like 
you can either solve this problem by spending time or by spending resources. Yeah, you say that a lot. Um, and, and that is super compelling when they are trying to find the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And you say, and they're like, I would like to break down this wall. I'll go, okay, that'll take you five hours or a spell that can do something about that. Or you can go hire some people to do it. Or if, if Pitt's involved, I take a level of exhaustion. Yeah. Which that, that also that's a resource. D&D, that, that's a resource. I, I use that as a resource um, in the city I'm in where they have slow natural healing. Uh, they're, if they are exhausted or they're not, and if they are exhausted, they cannot heal by any means except by taking a long rest. So all that stuff they've invested in, the spells, the potions, suddenly stop working. So it's a very big cost, but it buys them a full another time slot because they get to stay up all night. It's really, really powerful. Well, uh, I think we've hit a lot of good things. Mostly what we covered is how to spend gold in a non-mechanical way, right? Most of what we mentioned is like a very light lift for the GM because like I mentioned bribing people. I mentioned a base building mechanic that was literally like spend 5,000 gold to have this resource wait for you. If you take a long rest there, like Mm -hmm. that does not take a lot of time to design. You can probably come up with six options for that in under 30 minutes. Right. And have them be relatively balanced. Um, So not quite the episode for like, how do you make the economics in your world work? Um, more the episode for like, Hey, I have all this gold sitting around and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And, and this is one of those things where honestly, less is more. Keep it lightweight. You don't need to track a bunch of stuff. You don't need to have giant lists if you want it. Cool. But the, the more crunch does not necessarily make it better. Once you like the kind of baseline it exists you're getting the bulk of the the quality improvement in your game at that mm-hmm. point in my opinion yeah for sure for sure well until next time this has been the bonds and the bees farewell trap